All right, Steelers Nation, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be, and welcome to episode number 15 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz. Very excited to be here with you this week alongside Jim Wexel. And Jim, happy Tuesday, happy Victory Tuesday, and happy Merry Christmas week. Merry Christmas week. Yes. Did you read my column yesterday? I did. I, I read about some ass kickings. Well, everybody who's getting an ass kicking for Christmas can be my friend. We're all, we're all in this together. So all you married people, don't be bullying us. We don't, if we don't want to be married, we're not going to be married. But we're going to have a nice Christmas anyway. Hey, that, that sounds like a plan. And uh, it was a big Christmas gift for the Steelers this past Sunday as they scored a win against the Titans 19-13 a game in which they didn't really play well, but turnovers made all the difference. And I know that I'm asking the big man uh, up at the North Pole for a miracle victory this weekend. Uh, the Steelers open as 10.5 point underdogs to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if I can recall a game where they have been um, underdogs this big in a long time. But Santa, if you're listening, all I want for Christmas is a Steelers win over the Chiefs. Yeah, think that's possible, Jim? Kansas City's the team in red. They're the festive team. They're the merry team. See what I'm telling you about these merry? I'll bite my tongue. <laughs> Bullies that want you to be merry all the time. Hey, uh, you know, you give us a win over Kansas City. There's a lot of merriment there, but I don't, I'm not expecting, I'm not even asking for it. Yeah. I'm going to ask for stuff that's attainable. That's probably a good, good approach to have. Before we get into our overview of the show, just want to give a shout out to some of our listeners and followers, uh, whether it's through the Megaphone podcast app or on YouTube. Just want to thank you so much for listening, for commenting, for sharing with your family and friends. So shout outs today go to Kevin Ward, B-Man33, and Steeler and Jax. And then I also want to give a special shout out to Core201. We gave a shout out to Core last week. And he gave us a plethora of comments. So much love to all of you for being supporters of the Still City Insider podcast. But we've got a big show planned for you today. We're going to cover all things Tennessee Titans. And really, it's mostly defense we're going to be talking because I don't even know if there was an offense out there on the field. Um, it was a turnover feast, to say the least. Um, I'm a pote and I don't know it. A clunker on offense. Um and this is an ugly team, but can this ugly team make a run? And that's what we'll jump into today. And as we did last week, we're going to go through this show talking about themes instead of going offense through defense. And Jim, the best place to start, really turnovers were the difference in this ball game. Four turnovers, and had it not been uh, for those fumbles and interceptions, um, Steelers don't win this game. You know, Craig Wolfley um, told me about the Tennessee problem with – turnovers I didn't see any great hitting by the Steelers to cause four turnovers um Taco Charlton tipped the ball a fumbled snap uh and TJ Watt wrestled it away from somebody but I, I didn't see any particular skill that the Steelers invoked to get these turnovers just Tennessee it just seems like they that is a problem for them that won't go away uh, I, I looked through the questions that put to their coach after the game. How do you work on this? 
I mean, the same things the Steeler reporters asked. How do you work on this? What kind of message do you send? Are they not listening to the message? And Vrabel's like, yeah, I'm telling them not to fumble, and they're not listening. <laughs> you know, messaging. Hey, you just have sloppy players, and this is what you get. Everything else on Tennessee looks great. But, uh, wow, what a what an issue to have. So I'm not, I'm not commending the Steelers for this. I'm commending their offense for not turning it over because this game – might have been just came down to a yard difference. The Steelers are plus four in turnovers and one by a yard. Yeah. So this, hey, I enjoy it. And some of the players enjoy Joe Hayden, enjoy Ben. I mean, this is the last time we're going to see these guys. Other than that, it's still a problem, this team. Yeah. I think on the defensive side of the ball, at least the, the leaders, the guys who are supposed to be, um, you know, directing this team, Minka, Joe Hayden, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt. I think they all stepped up and played big games. Not that they were perfect, but you look at Fitzpatrick, if it wasn't for him saving some of those runs from turning into explosive plays, Cam just doing his thing as he's done all year, um, being a force in the backfield. TJ Watt, what, what more can you say about him? And Joe Hayden, you know, in his first game back, I know he was on a pitch count there. Um, but not only did he have that, they're calling a fumble recovery. It looked more like an interception to me. Um, but that tackle, like you said, the tackle there at the very end was just, that was out of this world. Um, and the, the spot was just very questionable. Um, but I feel like if it wasn't for those four guys on defense, that this, this is not a Steelers win. Well, yeah, that's what it takes. Joe Hayden, they were they were one and nine without Joe Hayden. Everybody keeps saying how they're zero and four without TJ. His career, every time he's inactive, they lose. But I mean, Joe Hayden, one and nine, and that one had just come um, recently against who was their last win before this? Uh, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Baltimore and Cleveland lost too. Uh, so <laughs> it's entertaining, at least. Um. Yeah, I don't have anything else. I yeah. forget if there was a, even a question put to me. So with just with Joe Hayden again, I know he's lost his step. He doesn't have the speed uh, that he that he's had in previous years. Um, and I know the talk this this past off season was that the Steelers weren't going to resign him to a new contract, even though he doesn't bring you that speed anymore. Do you think there's a could be a place for him on this team just with his? his instincts and his, his football wisdom. Do you think I always thought he could, he could move to free safety mm-hmm. as he got older. You know, he was an all state, a, a state championship quarterback. He quarterbacked his Maryland high school team to a state championship. Wow. All state. Yes. But that's, that's the kind of athlete he is. And you can see that out there. You know, he thought that ball was an interception too. For the world, we all thought that had ball had popped up. As a pass, we didn't know it hit the ground. It didn't matter. Joe actually didn't have to dive the way he did if that was just a fumble. But you could see his instincts. We all thought it was a a loose uh, air, you know, a a, a pass. And uh, he dove. And that tackle, you know, he wrapped the arms. So the guy couldn't reach the ball. You know, in today's electronic age, you just reach the ball, boop, first down. Now, that would have been – that could have been the game. And he ragdolled him too. 
it was the same receiver who torched him early. You know, he, he's lost a step, and that guy showed it to him. The Tennessee went at him, and they beat him deep, and the 15 dropped it. Yeah. Okay, what else about Joe? I mean, great player, um, great instincts. Uh, he was part of that uh, Florida team that uh, the joke is everybody gathered around Pouncey, the Saints and the Sinners alike. And in Florida that year, Tebow would be your saint. Hernandez would be your sinner. Marquise loved them all. Joe Hayden was one of them. It was quite a crew down there, and they still talk about that pro day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. They're going to need more great performances from him over these final three contests if they can continue to have a chance to win. Uh, We already mentioned that Chiefs game coming up this weekend. Sticking on the defensive side of the ball, um, had some hope for the rushing defense to improve ever so slightly. And maybe they did just a tiny bit, but they still gave up over 200 yards of, of rushing. Um, I know this is a, a continual discussion for us weekly just to talk about if that rushing defense has improved at all. Um, what did you see uh, well, this past I Sunday? Saw, I saw a stat. I mean, they're not going to improve their run defense. They suck. Mm-hmm. They're weak. They have too many hybrids. There's nothing else to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy they picked up off the street was out with COVID and everybody was nervous. They just picked him off the street and they had two of their uh, backups back. Loudermilk looked a little better. You, you know, you, you're looking for the future, uh, a rookie Loudermilk, big body, you know, kind of doing Aaron Smith things in there. I mean, we're a long way from Aaron Smith, but there's some hope there for that guy. Um, but the stat that came out, this was the last, they gave up, their seventh consecutive hundred yard rushing game by to a team, not, a, not an individual, pretty sure. But the, uh, uh, the last team to do more was eight in a row in 1999, 2000. And as I pointed out in my column, what did they do those years? I mean, that is, that is the most unstealers like stat of them all run defense is the big problem and not being able to run the ball. That's so un Pittsburgh like. That, that's so against everything that they've built this organization around. Run defense is where it all starts. Mm-hmm. And so that team changed their general manager, changed their defensive coordinator, signed Kimo von Ohoffen, defensive tackle, drafted Kendrick Clancy, a defensive tackle, third round. That wasn't enough. So the next year they drafted Casey Hampton, and uh, they drafted um, – they let uh, LeVon Kirkland go. They changed their inside linebacker. It'd be like letting Devin go. You know, all those hopes. It, LeVon was a little over the hill. He, had, he had, had had a great career. But they changed everything about their run defense. And look what it spawned mm-hmm. you know, that decade. So that's that's where this team's at. And Jim, in your column, you talked about, I can't remember the exact term that you used, but you said Tomlin is fat averse or something along those lines Someone said to me like his first training camp i think this dude's a fattest you know, <laughs> you know racist and all the ist's fattest aversion to fat yes that would i don't know i don't know that to be true but you looked over and casey hampton had was working out on his field own field by his own self they had a problem those first couple of years um he just doesn't bring those big girthy guys in. Mm-hmm. Look at look at they traded up for Loudermilk. He's more of an Aaron Smith type, a defensive end. They're they're 
and and you know the nose tackle has gone gone the way of um, the single wing pretty much but you still need one you hate to draft one in the first round like drafting Casey Hampton right now wouldn't make sense because a nose tackle won't stay on the field three downs if he does his job mm-hmm. you you want a first rounder to stay on the field three downs so the guy has to you know Javon Hargrave a third rounder a few years ago could play defensive tackle. Uh, Alu Alu can play nose and defensive tackle. So when you bring your nickel in, you don't take them off the field. You just move them to 4 3 tackle. So that's the kind of player that they're going to need, not a complete nose tackle the way Casey Hampton was. Although Casey was a linchpin on that great defense. So, hey, I, I wouldn't be against bringing in a Casey Hampton, but it's not what teams do these days with all the passing. Yeah. Just interesting how you see these cycles in football um, to where, you know, Tomlin has trended this defensive line towards the the smaller, more athletic guys. Uh, but now it looks like teams are kind of going the other direction, more of a power running game. Uh, even if you look at the Patriots this year, it looks like that's what they're built to do. Um, I'd hate to see that matchup should the Steelers get into the postseason. But I thought that that comment that you made in your, your uh, post was – was interesting and it makes sense that, I mean, this is a, a defense that's built to be athletic and to uh, attack pass happy offenses, which maybe goes in their favor this weekend against the chiefs. Look at me trying to be optimistic. No, <laughs> I thought of that very thing. There's no way I'm taking the Steelers or the 10 and a half or anything involving this game. I might not even watch it. <laughs> Who wants to see, you know, but you're right. This is actually a better matchup for them. Even though they beat, who have they beaten? Cleveland, Baltimore, Tennessee, three run-heavy masculine teams. So, hey, maybe I'm full of it, but they seem to, they seem to muster some courage when they know they're gonna. This is what they're gonna be dealing with for four quarters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Kansas City is Kansas City's the kind of team that they were building for with all these hybrids. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've talked to Mike Tomlin in the past about how with everybody drafting these hybrids, uh, these big offenses are going to come. It's going to come back around. The passing era will could become the running era again to attack all these hybrids. And this, he agreed. He, he, he knows that he's trying to build one himself, mm-hmm. an offense like that. But his, uh, his defense is just has too many hybrids. It's just too small. Yeah. Yeah. It has not been pretty. Uh, slightly, maybe maybe a little bit of lipstick on the pig this past weekend. Uh, yeah, a little I, bit better. I, know. Hey, I love you for doing that, man. <laughs> and, you know, because there are fans out there, and yeah, and we're all going for it, and, and anything can happen. Uh, but when Minka, you know, Minka made 14 tackles, that's a free safety. Yeah. And you'll have that every now and then. And the free safety is beat up after the game, but you can't have it every week. Yeah. Leading the team, he has over 100 tackles. And Terrell Edmonds, their other safety, is third in the team in tackles. You know, I just did that book on Polamalu. I remember Troy's first year, uh, first year starting 2004. He and Hope were one two at halfway in a part, uh, a part of the season. And Cowher said, This is a problem. Yeah. I mean, they were playing great, but it's a problem. So I pulled up some statistics here, Jim, just because I was trying to find defenses historically that have just been atrocious, that have played well, have won. 
Right now, the Steelers are giving up an average of 143 yards. We know that they've given up, what, 200 um, their last six games. But I want to cite the 2006 Colts. Um, that was a team that won a Super Bowl. Now, let me preface what I'm about to say. I'm not saying the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl, but the 2006 Colts gave up 173 rushing yards per game. Um, that's 5.3 yards per attempt. When they got to the postseason, um, their rushing defense miraculously improved, uh, went on to beat the Chicago Bears that year to win the Super Bowl. Again, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying the way they're performing now, it doesn't mean that they can't improve. There's been precedent, um, but obviously they have a lot, lot of work to do, but it has been done before. Okay. So just thought I'd share that little nugget there. Yeah. Hey, that, that was a good team. I mean, they had two pass rushers. Yeah, that was uh, uh, what the kid out of the Syracuse was it? I'm assuming um, both were healthy. Um, Freeney and Mathis. Free, yeah, they could both be in the Hall of Fame. I know, yeah, Peyton Manning on the other side of the ball. Yeah, Bob Sanders with Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders must have been healthy, strong safety. Yeah, so that's another. That's another Troyism. You know, it's such a who tough position. They get beat up, and Bob Sanders got beat up most of his career. But when he was healthy, he was great. Yeah. So he must have been healthy that year. Did you check that? Uh, I did not. Did not go that deep. So they had to. Uh, they had to. Uh, uh, it's funny. Uh, Mike Doss was the guy they everybody wanted over Troy, and uh, Mike Doss was with the Colts in that 2005 game. He kept making one mistake after another, kind of contrasted him and Troy, but uh, uh, Troy and Bob Sanders is a better analogy. Yeah. I always remember Bob Sanders laying the wood. I know he's a physical guy. Yeah, he could come up hard. Hey, Terrell Edmonds is starting to come up hard. Yeah. With confidence. But still, you know, you look, th that that two-play sequence that Terrell did, he broke up a deep ball and then came up strong to shut down that screen. Uh, was I believe it was a third down screen. Back-to-back -back plays, one deep, one short, but can only bring back to mind the great uh, Troy Polamalu two-play sequence against these Tennessee Titans when they had Chris Johnson, who's scaring everybody with his 4-2 speed. He picked off the pass deep, and then his next play, he closed on the great Chris Johnson. Yeah. yeah so quickly, you know, we still shudder when we see the film of that. But uh, Terrell is not going to pick that pass off. Terrell just – it doesn't – that's the difference. Terrell just isn't going to make that play. He's going to be there. He's strong. He's physical. He's fast. But he's not going to catch that tough interception. Yeah. He's a guy that will probably spend some time this offseason talking about. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. But I'd make the argument there's not a lot out there in the safety market. The Steelers would be wise to bring him back at least for, you know, a well, year, it's all, year it's or always, two. It's always a question about value. Yeah. I mean, so, not but he did pay for him. And I don't know that anybody's going to overpay for him. So. Good chance he can come back. Yeah, but he did have a nice game. I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, shifting over to the offense and really, you know, going back through this tape, there's not much to talk about on this offense other than the tight end screen to Zach Gentry whenever Freyermuth went out. But this, I, I think this was the worst performance by the offense the entire season. Um, just lifeless. Najee Harris probably had his worst game as a Steeler. Uh, running more east and west than north and south. I know that there was penetration in the backfield before he even had a chance to get started. But then 
his body language, I noticed there uh, later in the game, they had the camera on him on the sideline. He uh, he looked either dejected and or pissed off or both. Um, so I'm not sure what that was all about, but hard to find anything to be hopeful about offensively against the Titans. Well, I, that could have been the best defense they played to. Good point. Really. Uh, and, you know, they did a pretty good job with Simmons, although how Simmons didn't send Ben out in an ambulance and finish for his career with that low knee shot, which Tony Romo kept trying to say that Trey Turner pushed him. Yeah. Turner ain't pushed nobody that hard in his entire life. (laughs) No. I mean, he may have pushed him, but that was a definite lunge straight at the knee. And you can see his his hands going out like he was making an attempt. So, yeah, I was was confounded by what Romo was saying, that that was accidental. Well, it was like the spot, you know, (laughs) the, the end. And just to touch on that spot again, I, I'll, I know I'm jumping a little bit, but, you know, you couldn't get upset about it because the, the replay was so clear. There was no way that that could go. And it was like at the end, they didn't even get over the ball to see if the stick it didn't matter because they're getting in their ear saying, this doesn't matter. This doesn't. So they didn't even give them a first down when it looked like a first down on the stick. You know, yeah. they didn't even look at it closely because so. Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, that was a really good defense. Uh, and they, Kevin Byer didn't beat them. You know, Ben, Ben played, played it smart. Didn't lose the ball. Uh, Najee. Yes. We need to see more explosiveness when he's in the open field. We need to see that first round, but we didn't see that from Lev Bell his first year either. Really? Uh, so, uh, let, uh, let's be patient with Najee. He's, he has a lot of things going for him. Mm-hmm. If he, when he was on the sideline, I saw him, I think he, at the very end, and I, I could have missed what you're talking about. At the very end, he was calm and cool watching the defense try to put this thing away. I thought it was him learning to be a pro. I just felt him – he was into the game. That's all I cared about. You know, it wasn't he wasn't joking around with uh, Claypool or whatever, uh, Minkum Poops out there trying to get his attention. So uh, I didn't have a problem with his body language. And maybe you saw something I didn't. Yeah, or maybe I was just – that was my mindset there because it was so dangerously close to being a loss uh, that I was interpreting everything negatively. But, um, yeah, acknowledging that this was a, a great – I had to guess maybe not calling it a great Tennessee defense, but especially against the run. I think they were number two overall in the NFL against the run. There wasn't a lot of space. Um, but I think it was 18 carries for 12 yards. You know, they've got to find a way to jumpstart that. But – you look at Kansas City uh, this coming week, they are ranked in the bottom half of rushing defense, though the Steelers have played against defenses before that have been worse. So, you know, wishful thinking, um, but they've got to find a way to they've got to find a way to get this offense going consistently from the outset of the game. Uh, and there wasn't even the fourth quarter push from the offense here. So um, that was concerning to me. Again, there's just really uh, it's it scraps in terms of discussing this offense here from this game? Uh, Well, you know, the problems, you know, Tomlin has to look at this. Is it his offensive coordinator? I think he's going to give his offensive coordinator another chance. Is it the O-line coach? Uh, Now, we we understand the the problem with talent. Tomlin has to decide whether it's talent or the coach because, you know, one of the great titles that they gave Munchak was run game coordinator. I love that from the offensive line coach that put him in charge of the run game. 
you know, when Dick Hoke was here as the running backs coach, he was the guy in the room that told the old line coach after he got up on the board or the offensive coordinator, Dick Hoke was the guy that says, we can't block that up. And if you don't have that guy in the room, you, you let your new imaginative offensive coordinator go with his cool razzle dazzle plays. You need a guy that says, we can't block that up. So that's your run game coordinator. That's what Mike Munchak did as well as teach his offensive linemen so well. Also, they had talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it started with Foster and after, you know, they, they added a piece every year. It took like five years to build that line and it became a great line. Then they added the great coach and then they let him have the title of run game coordinator. They need that back. It looks like they have no coordination at all. So Tomlin has to judge who needs improved. Is it just the talent? Uh, you know, they don't like to cut a guy after one year of a two-year coaching contract. I, I know it seems like the, the it's such a billion-dollar business. Why are we quibbling about uh, a pretty much low pay for assistant coaches? But that's just the Steeler way. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if all these guys are going to get another chance. Tomlin has to discern. Who's at fault here? So I have no way of knowing. He knows what goes on in those meetings. Yeah. One thing I've noticed about this offensive line and kind of going back to the the concept there when we were talking about the defensive line, that the the defense is built to be more of the hybrid, you know, pass coverage style uh, attack. I feel like this offensive line is similar in that they're athletic and can get down the field. They can move. I don't know how well that translates to power running game. And if maybe that's one of the um, – one of the challenges there, because you look at Kendrick Green, he's a smaller guy. He can get downfield. He's shown a couple times this year, um, you know, just making blocks downfield, getting to the second level. You look at Dan Moore, he's an athletic guy. He played a decent game this weekend in pass protection, but you must wonder if they're trying to play some type of athletic style offensive line offense, whatever that is, if that's related to those motions and jet sweeps and all the razzle dazzle. Um I also thought it was interesting that Mike Vrabel said that, uh, you know, the Steelers had success with the razzle-dazzle stuff, but they weren't concerned about the running game. I don't know if there's a more damning comment out there. Yeah. Um, So blocking them. You know, he is so like Cower. And that team is like Cower. You know, it's just when Cower would lose games like that, it was so frustrating. But that's how they were. They just didn't have that extra spark on offense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Vrabel, you know, they should, I wonder if they should have let him go and maybe he could have been the coach these days. Who knows how different, but his style seems to suit Pittsburgh a little more. Yeah. He's got the jaw. He's got, he is the jaw. And to mock the Steelers run game was, I thought it was amusing. So true. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, Tomlin's got to figure out what, um, what's working and what's not. And I'm not so sure. I'm still not. I'm more, I, I keep saying wait on Kendrick Green, but hey, maybe he isn't the guy. But I think at left tackle, that rookie is the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and LeGlue is a guy that you've just found who's like Justin Strelzik, who's like all of those guys they've had who have been great swing players off the bench. Yeah. You know, Kerry Essex was another one. They could play tackle, guard, or center. And those become so valuable. And so I think you found that guy in the glue. You found your left tackle. Not sure about Kendrick Green. 
the right guard's going to have to go. Uh, he's a veteran. He's holding down the fort right now. Uh, and I don't know what they're going to do with right tackle because both Banner and Core Four are free agents at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe you come back with whoever takes the one contract offer. That's been the Rooney way. Hey, this is what it is. The first one to sign it gets it. Yeah. So maybe that's how the right tackle position will be solved. And then you, you need to add pieces. You need to add a couple of pieces. So to define this line right now, I don't, I don't think you can. I think yeah, they're yeah. just trying to get time and development for these individual pieces before it be, even begins to come together. And, you know, a lot of people would be critical this year that they're, they haven't made uh, enough moves this off season to be a contender, but they are contending. And I would argue too, that they're, <laughs> they're building yeah, as ugly as it is, but they're building depth for, for later years. So it's almost like they're, they're in a, uh, um, and it's a it's a paradox. They're in a com- competing mode for the postseason, but they're also in somewhat of a retool and a rebuild, which I don't know if I've ever seen it. And that's I'm just thinking this now as I say it, it. Maybe that's a good way to explain this team. That This is what happens when you try to do both things, when you try to compete for a postseason spot and you try to rebuild. Um, but well, you can never just rebuild. That's their motto. They don't do that. And that's right. cool. Uh, but I think they've been doing it since 2010, you know, since since that great team began retiring and you still had a young quarterback that you wanted to get another ring out of. Mm-hmm. So you kept rebuilding on the fly as these great players are uh, leaving. And it's not a culture problem. It's just those guys were special. You're not just going to replace Heinz Ward with another Heinz Ward. Yeah. I mean, you can't say that it's the drafting who's in charge, who has changed the culture it just changed the culture to the, what rest of humanity is like. Those people were special. It takes, it takes luck to get that kind of special player. You knew how you did it the first time. Just stick with that. Continue to look for character. Don't get swayed by flashiness. But there is some flashiness that you need. You need yeah. Chase Claypool. You have to continue to work with him. Yeah. Things like that. So uh, I, I've seen this. And, you know, people like Ben and Tomlin's a good coach. They, they keep finishing eight and eight, it's not helping them totally rebuild. Look at, you know, the Saints is a a great example. They won the Super Bowl in what, 2007, Mm -hmm. year before, or 2009, right around when the 2009, 2009. Ron Payton was the coach. And so he has as much tenure as Tom on. It's the same kind of program set up. But uh, uh, Payton had a couple years where they were four and 12. And he, he, you look at the draft pieces he got out of those next drafts. It really sparked the turnaround, the Saints. And, well, now they're back down in the cellar right now. But, uh, you know, Sean Payton is still the coach, and that's what they did. They didn't have Ben Roethlisberger to get him to 8-8. Eight and eight. I Just Drew and Breeze could only go 4-12. and 12. I think he was injured that year. Yeah. They got a, gr- a bunch of great pieces. You know, that, that supreme shutdown corner that you get with the fourth pick of the draft. They got that guy, which is what the Steelers need. They need a lot of pieces. So yeah. – yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I would say, too, Steelers Nation is a bit spoiled, too. They think that every year they have the uh, the, the God-given right to, you know, AFC championship. Um, and if you don't make it there or even get into the Super Bowl, that it's a failed season. But, you know, the reality of this thing is, you know, it's there are 32 teams in the NFL. You have two teams every year that go to the Super Bowl and the odds aren't great. Um, so it is a process. 
And really, you know, what you said there too about going eight and eight and Sean Payton getting some of those uh, early round draft picks to build around. If you think about that with Tomlin going eight and eight and having to pick later in the draft, but still, and I know he's got Ben Roethlisberger, but still leading these teams to, you know, successful seasons and playoff runs, maybe that gives even more credence to his coaching ability. So um, everybody's bogged down on this one time management situation that didn't really have an effect on the game instead of how he kept this team together. Yeah. So, hey, man, I I like – I don't want another guy. I, I like the way he keeps this team together. Coaching has a lot more to do uh, with your success than uh, your decision on whether to call a timeout or not. Yeah. I disagreed with it this time, but I understand his point. You know, they only did get a field goal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you call that timeout – they go to their bench, they get right play. You know, Mike Vrabel's a smart guy. Do you want to give Mike Vrabel more time to figure something out against probably the worst defense in the NFL? You know, I'm just saying that maybe to get them sparked. I mean, I don't really believe they're Ouch. the worst run defense. But, you know, what ha- what he did worked. He kept them to three points. Yeah. For those of us who bet the over, that wasn't good, but stop betting. Well, hey, you could say this about the Steelers. They are in contention. They're seven, six, and one. They have a chance in this thing. And they're winning ugly. Um, but you know what? I think sometimes as fans, um, we get enamored with the 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 sexy team. I've been doing a lot of air quotes today. Uh the the flashy, shiny object, the the big time offense, the splashy defense. But at the end, the only thing that matters is the outcome, whether or not you win or you lose. And it doesn't have to be pretty. Um, and there's not a lot to give you confidence from this team that they can continue to win in this way. But I've got to ask the question, what if? <laughs> this, may, this may be an ugly team that continues to win and finds themselves um, in the postseason. Uh, a lot of football left to be played, but it starts this weekend in Kansas City, Arrowhead, day after Christmas. Um, Travis Kelsey is on the COVID list. That would be oh. a, um, a big hit to that Kansas City offense, though they still have uh, several other studs there. But where does this team go from here, Jim? That would be a massive development. Thank you for uh, reporting that. Yeah. I haven't been trolling on Twitter very much. Their kicker, too, is on the COVID list as well. They both tested positive. So, Well, I mean, you know, you know how that goes. And plus with the – Changing protocols, maybe they get him out, rush him out there. Yeah. Travis Kelsey is a beast. And, you know, let me just say this about Fryermuth. That was a brutal hit he took. And you could yeah. see he was staggered. He was knocked out and he held on to the ball. He went down to the ground and he was out. And they took him away. And I've seen Heath Miller take these kind of brutal blasts. And you get him in the knees too. Tight end is a brutal position, mm-hmm. unless you're massive like Travis Kelsey. So I, I I don't know if six five is massive enough. I don't know if Fryermuth is massive enough. I, I hope and pray that he can survive this and become the player he's destined to become. So, uh, but Travis Kelsey is a beast, and nobody's knocking him out. You're just lucky to tackle that guy. So uh, he gives them the masculinity I was talking about in these offenses. Because otherwise, they're just a shiny object, the sexy shiny object that you haven't wanted to see play the Steelers team. They're going to come this weekend. 
And, you know, I, I want to add something here, too. So I saw and I'm not a fan of, uh, of this and may, maybe I'm old school in this capacity. But uh, after the Chiefs beat the Chargers last Thursday, they showed a clip there after the, the walk off touchdown pass from Mahomes to Kelsey. And then Mahomes was just taunting the Chargers sidelines. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of the stuff that Philip Rivers used to do. But in, in terms of football, cosmic energy and karma out there. OK, so we got karma coming our way. I, I, I Is that what you're saying. I got a feeling, Jim. I got a feeling here. And oh, no, well, you had a feeling <laughs> for San Diego and that should have been true. It came very close. Yeah. But but think about this, too. I mean, if you look at that Baltimore game, how well they were able to defend Jackson, the mobile quarterbacks, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a sliver of of hope and an and opportunity here, but uh, it's going to take I, I feel like I'm saying the same thing every week. It's going to take a Herculean effort to have any type of chance in this game, because if they play the way they play, they'll get smoked 40 to 13. They've got to play their best football. Well, hey, they're they're like an ugly junk ball pitcher that you use in the playoffs. Some lefty that can't throw it harder than 75 miles an hour. He's just messing you up because he's just so junky. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, maybe there's some hope in that regard. How how great of a story would it be, you know, as ugly as they're playing, if they just keep winning? I mean, that would be <laughs> – if you, if you look at every if if after every game we're looking at it and you're just saying how did they win like imagine if they can continue that and that's that's what I'm hoping for that they're this is the the ugliest winning team and that that's the story for the the 2021 Steelers they find a way to get it done so yeah the ugly junk ballers yeah yes and speaking of ugly it is time for the terrible three for the week Jim are you ready I am. All right, here we go. So uh, talking a little bit about T.J. Watt, had another nice game there. One and a half sacks, broke the Steelers record. James Harrison congratulated him uh, after the game on Twitter. Um, 22 and a half sacks is the NFL record. But three games ago, Jim, does T.J. break 20 sacks? I would have to say no, because he just seems like he can't get free of the injury that's been nagging him seemingly all season. He won't answer whether that's the same injury as, as they hurt him at the beginning of the year. So it must be. So uh, I would say no. Okay. There, there you have it. So there's a there's a big note to 20 sacks there for there, TJ. It means so little to me. I haven't given it much thought. And really, <laughs> you know, okay, if he gets the record, good for him. Uh, but, okay. Yeah. Got it. And just to point out, last night against the Browns, Miles Garrett was uh, – Ofer on the stat sheet in the sacks column. So hopefully TJ stays in the lead there for defensive player of the year. Next up, Jim, what's more likely a win in Arrowhead or an AFC North title for the Steelers? I think one would lead to the other. <laughs> so they're equally as likely, which is not going to, I don't even know what the standings are this morning. They're, they're behind the Bengals by half game. And the Bengals have the tiebreaker, but there won't be tiebreaker means nothing. Right. Because of the tie. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know who the Bengals have left, but I, I I still like the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. So Bengals have the Ravens this week, the Brown, then Kansas City, then the Browns. But I think they're at home versus the Ravens, home versus the Chiefs, away in Cleveland to close the season yeah. out. The same schedule as the Steelers. So interesting. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, so that's a very non-committal an- answer, but we'll, we'll uh, if it. they beat Kansas City, they'll win the division, which means they're not going to win the division. So neither. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So the last one, Jim, all seven of the Steelers wins have been determined by one score. Um, indicates a lot of heart and effort from this team. They're, they're, they're playing their hearts out. Uh, we're definitely seeing that despite their poor performance. Is this a solid coaching performance with little talent or is it the flip of that? Is this a bad coaching performance underutilizing the available talent to them? I, I think they're, I think they're playing a little bit above where they should be. So I, I got I to gotta say, you know, the talent might be a little better than we expected. And the coaching's a little, uh, as, as usual, is, is solid. So, um, yeah, another non-committal. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm letting you down here. Uh, <laughs> they're seven, six, and one. I mean, that, that defines your coach. And uh, the players, uh, I, I, it's not like they're acting like they're all that. Yeah. You know, that they know they have a lot of work. So I think everybody's got their head in the right place. And and I think we all know the talent level and where they need help. And you know, the problem is with guys like Hayden and Ben, they're gonna need more help because those players are leaving. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that concludes today's terrible three, and that wraps up episode number 15 of the Still City Insider Podcast. Just want to thank everyone for joining us here. Jim and I are wishing you a happy holiday season. We hope you have a great one. Jim, I hope you have a, a, a great week and a great Christmas and New Year's. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday next week to talk about that big win over the Chiefs. Um, so, um, you know, hope, hope you have a, a good one. It's been great doing these podcasts with you. Um, just want to point out, please check out Jim's work, uh, The Still City Insider, and also give him a follow on Twitter. At Jim Wexel, you can check out my work at the still the stillstudy.com and follow me on Twitter at stillstudy. Jim, any closing words before we uh, close up here? No, I just hope you and your family have a nice warm Christmas. And you know, uh, I'm not shooting for Mary. Okay, I'll let you handle all the married people. I'm going to take in all my boys that aren't doing so well, and we're going to get through this. Uh, you're not the only one out there. So take care and. Uh, uh, Have a good one, Jeremy. Thanks for doing this. You do a great job. Thanks, Jim. All right, everybody. Happy holidays, and we will see you next week. Take care.